listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. I recently picked up a book. I know a big surprise, right? But as I was reading this one, something felt different. It actually seemed like a dream of mine had come true. The book made me feel like I was having a conversation with Jeff Bezos about how he built Amazon. For those of you who don't know, Jeff Bezos is the founder and CEO of Amazon, and every entrepreneur that I know has dreamed of getting to sit with Jeff Bezos at one point or another. It felt like that dream had come true. Today's interview is with Steve Anderson. He's the author of the book titled The Bezos Letters, 14 Principles for Growing a Business Like Amazon. Steve wrote this book based upon the letter to shareholders that Jeff Bezos releases every single year. I've actually mentioned these many times on the Creating a Brand podcast, but what Steve did is he pulled out every business principle he could find within these letter to shareholders, and he actually came up with 14 principles. So for me, reading this book actually felt like talking with Jeff Bezos directly. It was so cool. In today's episode, Steve is going to share with us the four cycles that Amazon uses to grow their business. So let's not wait any longer. Here's my conversation with Steve Anderson about how to grow your business like Amazon. Steve, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Alex, uh, such a pleasure to be with you today. I want to personally thank you for this book, first off. Um, I consider somebody in my life to be a mentor, Michael Hyatt, and he actually said something about this book where he was talking about how it's like getting coaching directly from Jeff Bezos, which every entrepreneur has dreamed of having a coaching session with Jeff Bezos. And I truthfully, you know, after finishing this book, I decided, you know what, this is Michael Hyatt said it exactly right. This is just like having a coaching session from Jeff Bezos. So in a way, you're making entrepreneurs' dreams come true. So thank you for that. Well, uh, it's my pleasure. And actually, that was one of my hopes in, in putting this together. I think you really nailed on the head with that. Now, before we really get too far into this, because the idea of growing a business like Amazon sounds intimidating, right? Um, Does this really apply to everyone's business? And is it realistic for us to try to take these same principles into our own business? And if so, how and why? So the answer to that is yes. Um, And I mean, let's be clear, it's unlikely uh, anybody listening to this is going to be the next Amazon. And that doesn't mean we can't learn from what Bezos has done in the last 25 years in terms of growing Amazon to where it is today. And so I believe the principles that I pulled out of the shareholder letters actually do and can apply to almost any organization, certainly businesses, but I'm also hearing back from nonprofits and and some religious organizations that even the concepts are helping them think differently. Yeah, and I can totally see that because after reading it, again, you know, I was a little intimidated, picked up. I'm like, all right, is this going to be too much for me in my early stages of entrepreneurship? And I think that what I want to articulate to the listener, to the Creating a Brand audience, is that, no, this is great for anywhere, anybody, anywhere on their journey. Uh, And a great example of that is is Jeff Bezos. At one point, he was going to the post office to deliver books, right? I, I mean, and I think that's what people forget. I mean, 25 years ago, he was just like everybody else starting a new business. And I certainly... In those 25 years, he's done obviously a lot. And one of the questions I started asking was, how did he do it? Um, and I also want to say, you know, you, whatever you feel about Amazon, right? There's, you know, some negativity. People may love Amazon or they may not. I, I would ask you to kind of put that aside because regardless of what you think, 
I do believe there are uh, lessons to be learned. As you said, uh, wouldn't you like to sit down with Bezos for a while and just start asking him questions? How did you come up with this? Why do you think this way? What about this? And, and you know, that's what I started doing. Um, and, and I was literally shocked when I first started reading the shareholder letters because there was so much information in there and I, I call it hidden in plain sight. I mean, they've, they've been public for years, but for whatever reason, it captured my attention and I was able to read through it really strategically and looking for kind of the threads that went through all now 21 uh, shareholder letters. Yeah. And, you know, he not only wrote about what Amazon accomplished, but like you're saying, he also wrote how they did it. That was kind of coded or maybe hidden in plain sight, as you're saying, inside of the shareholder letters. And just for the audience's listening, so you can be on the same page as, page as us today. What Steve has done here is he's analyzed the 21 shareholder letters from 1997 to 2018 and split them into tangible growth cycles that Bezos has applied to pretty much every endeavor he's been involved in. Am I right in saying that, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. And so there are 14 growth principles and there uh, we've grouped them into four what I call cycles. Those cycles are test, build, accelerate and scale. And every business, regardless of what size they are, goes through those different cycles. So test is, hey, I got a new product idea. That might be the startup entrepreneur who goes, you know, I can do this better. Or I have a better idea. So you're testing the idea and then you need to build upon that. And then once you kind of get that foundation, you accelerate your growth. And then it, hopefully at some point you go, okay, I need to scale this. And, and how do I do that? Uh, I mean, Amazon uh, just released as we're uh, talking their uh, 2019 uh, Secur Securities and Exchange Commission 10K. So that's their annual report. Amazon grew worldwide this year by a, a little over 187,000 employees grew in this year. And uh, so the scale Again, whether you're going from five to 15 or, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees, how do you maintain that culture? How do you maintain the vision? How do you maintain, you know, that that um, idea of still being a startup and being able to respond well to um, to the marketplace, to your customers and, and providing effective products and services? Love it. I'm so excited to get into some of these principles today. Now, we're not going to have time to get into all 14, but what I've done is I've picked out one from each cycle that I believe are going to very be very valuable for the creating a brand listener. So I'm really excited to get into these. Also, I'm looking at the book right now. It's a beautiful book. You did a great job with this one. And I have to ask, I know that isn't Bezos on the cover. <laughs> it's not. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just wondering. It, it, it's an Adobe stock photo. Okay, um, great. And 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 I actually tell people now it's like so I had to license the use of the photo and the license that I paid for allowed me for five hundred thousand impressions. So books are using it places. So I'm praying that I have to buy another license. <laughs> I'm going to join you in that because I think this book, this book is good enough that it should be in everyone's hands. So I'll, I'll pray with you for that. All right. All right. That sounds great, Alex. Thank you. Yeah. So let's jump into the four principles for today. I want to start with that first cycle that you mentioned, which was testing. And I really like the, one of the points in there, which was encourage successful failure. Can you get into that principle a little bit for us today? I certainly can. It's principle number one, and, and actually there's a reason why it's first. Be and it really is the idea, and Bezos brings this out a lot in the letters, that 
they invent on behalf of the customer. And he talks about experimentation at Amazon and that an experiment by its very nature means you're going to fail. Uh, in fact, this whole idea of you know failure is not an option, I think is wrong. Failure always has to be an option. The problem is that for most businesses, they actually punish failure. Meaning, okay, I want to test a new product, a new service, a new idea. And, you know, maybe it's crazy, but let's test it and find out. Because as Bezos says, sometimes those crazy ideas actually work out. And so this is uh, the culture in your organization of what I call a safe to risk culture. So I come from the insurance background, been in that industry for a very long time. And this whole idea of risk management and, and mitigating risks and all of that. I call Bezos the master of risk because he's learned how to take the the risks necessary in order to grow. And so actually the the phrase successful failure came from the Apollo 13 space mission. So you may remember in the 70s, right, Apollo 13 was going to the moon, big explosion, big question about whether those three astronauts were going to come back alive. They did. Long story and kind of how that happened. But as Tom Hanks playing Jim Lovell, who's the commander of that mission, steps off the helicopter after being uh, plucked out of the ocean onto the deck of the Iwo Jima. In the background, he's narrating that their mission, Apollo 13, became known as NASA's most successful failure. Failure, they didn't go to the moon. That was the mission. Success, all three astronauts got back alive, really against all odds. And and that just so, so resonated with me that I think every business needs to think about failure as what's the success. And, and Amazon's had a bunch of failures and the successes that have come out of that. I couldn't agree more. And actually, we're not going to get into too many examples throughout the rest of this conversation. But I, I think this is a really important place to actually give some examples because failure is something that scares all of us. We've, we've been told that all through school. Even if you think about it, don't fail. Don't do anything wrong. Just get, do your best to do the best you can. Don't take those risks. Right. And I, I think it's really important that we actually share that Amazon has had some very big um, failures in their time, successful failures, if you will. I'd love if you'd share some of those examples that you've uncovered. Yeah. Probably one is uh, the most interesting is the Amazon Fire phone. Uh, Jeff Bezos got up on stage and announced it in uh, uh, 2014. Um, Most people don't even know Amazon actually produced a phone uh, to compete with the iPhone and the Android phones. I didn't know that. Yes. See, it was an utter failure because nobody bought it. In fact, at one point, they lowered the price of the phone to 99 cents and they couldn't give it away. They wrote off in development costs and inventory the last quarter of that year, $178 million. Pretty big failure. But four months after the phone was announced, that same team that put the phone together gave Bezos the first demonstration of what was to become Alexa, the Echo, and the machine learning Alexa together, which I think we would agree is a pretty big success right now. Absolutely. I love something that Bezos says that you mentioned in this book to think of successful failure as a mindset for success. So it's like planning for your future, not just what's happening in that moment. Absolutely. You know, people would look at that as an absolute failure saying, I just lost over $100 million. The shareholders are going to be furious. I'm never going to recover. If you would have had that defeated mindset, then we wouldn't have the tech that we have today in front of us. 
Exactly. And let me make one more comment. In the 2018 letter, he, he talks about as the size of Amazon grows, the size of our failures need to grow. We need billion dollar failures because if we're not pushing the envelope enough to move the needle, we're not doing enough. We're not experimenting enough. And Alex, as you can probably think, that's such a crazy idea. I need billion dollar failures. What are you, what are you even talking about? But that's the mindset because without that pushing the envelope, they wouldn't be doing what they are doing today and growing the way they continue to grow. Yeah, I've actually referenced that letter a couple times on this podcast because I remember sitting there reading it. I'm holding it in front of me. I printed it. I'm looking at it. I read that sentence 10 times and I'm like, I know. What is he? What is he saying here? I'm like, is he telling the shareholders, the people that are making money off of what he's doing that, hey, I'm going to make some billion dollar mistakes? That's like scary to even talk about, right? Exactly. But that is just one of multiple examples of how counterintuitive Bezos thinks. As a thank you for listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, I'd like to invite you to join our private community for free. If you text the word community to 1-904-299-8992, I'll respond with a free invitation link. Once you join, I'll connect you with other community members and resources to help accelerate your success. Join today by texting the word community to 1-904-299-8992. I'm looking forward to talking to you within the Creating a Brand community. And now let's get back to today's episode. Now that we've covered what it means to encourage successful failure, let's move into the second cycle found within your book called the build cycle. Talk to us about obsessing over customers. Uh, yeah, and again, um, in the very first 1997 letter, uh, Bezos has a whole section about obsessing over customers. So very early on, he realized that they needed to think differently about their customers. And, you know, Every business I know of talks about customer service or customer experience or customer journey or customer focus, but at Amazon, it's obsession, and it's that that's just a different take. That is, you know, that single-minded focus on the customer, and he says a lot that at Amazon, one of their key characteristics is they invent on behalf of the customer, and it is that focus on the doing what they need to do to benefit the customer to make it easier to do business with Amazon. And and that's a key. When I ask people, okay, why do you buy from Amazon? Almost always it starts out with, it's just easy. Well, there's a reason because of their focus on, as I call it, taking friction out of the transaction, meaning anything that prevent somebody from buying on Amazon, Amazon will be working on how to make that smoother, easier, less friction. Um, and so obsess over customers is core uh, in, in terms of the culture at Amazon and what they do and how they do it. Yeah, on page 68, you referenced something that I believe it was Bezos who said this, but leaders start with the customer and work backwards. So I kind of want to ask, what does this necessarily mean for us? If we're just starting in business or we have a smaller startup or just early in our entrepreneurship journey, how can we really begin obsessing over customers? Like, what does this look like for us practically? Well, Bezos says, uh, as an example, that no customer asked for Prime. <laughs> right. So Prime two-day shipping. No customer asked for Prime. In fact, when Prime was put in place, Bezos pushed it because his senior leadership team thought he was crazy. 
we can't afford it. We can't do this. But what he said was, and this is kind of that data and gut working together. He said, if it's better for the customer, it will ultimately be better for Amazon and our shareholders. And so Prime members today, and, and actually they tested. So they were in that test cycle uh, and they actually had a couple failures before they got to Prime, but they kept tracking what happened. And, and today, a Prime member spends about twice as much on Amazon than a non-Prime member because it's, again, easy. They took away the friction of having to pay for shipping, and they started that in, in the early 2000s. So it, bring it back to your, your question is, okay, uh, startup, you have an idea for solving somebody's problem. Start from the customer's perspective. What is it going to do for them? Not what is it going to do for you, or, but, but how is it going to help them solve their problem? Make sure they understand that and you develop and build to that mindset, not, you know, we have competitors over here. Uh, in fact, I, I've got to quote this too. Um, Bezos says that he um, tells his employees to wake up every morning terrified. And I won't read the whole quote, but it basically the point is you need to be terrified of our customers because they will be loyal to us up until the second someone else gives them a better deal. That's crazy to, to think about, my goodness. Uh, you know, something I like that I believe that Bezos and the the Amazon lead team have said, they say, what do the customers really want? They ask themselves that question. They put themselves in the customer's shoes. So like you're saying, I never asked for free two-day shipping, but as soon as it was out, I knew I wanted it. So what they've done is they're saying, okay, what, what do they really want that maybe they don't even notice yet? Right. And, you know, all the prime benefits now, like prime video and all those kinds of things are, hey, what can we do to in it to, and, and really, again, from a business perspective is what can we do to keep that customer as part of Prime and part of the Amazon ecosystem? We'll add more stuff. So, you know, it's altruistic to some point, but it's also a great business decision because then you tie people into your platform and they won't go someplace else. Absolutely. What they've done is incredible. And for all of us, we just have to find a way to begin obsessing over our customers. Who's that ideal customer? And let's start where we are today. I love this point. Now, moving on to the, the third one, which is in the accelerate cycle, generate high velocity decisions. You reference this as type one and type two decisions. Can you explain this a little bit? I can. So Bezos describes decision-making process at Amazon as type one and type two. Type one decisions are bet the farm. They're big decisions. They are have have uh, huge potential implications, and they're hard to reverse. And I think that's a key concept with type one. They're hard to reverse. Once we decide, we, we've got to go down that path. Type two decisions, on the other hand, are easy to reverse. Those are, I would call, more operational decisions. And what Bezos says is those decisions should be made quickly. Uh, and in fact, he says, you should make decisions that are type two with at most 70% of the information that you would like to have. And so what that does is it speeds up decision-making. And frankly, if you decide, and it, he describes it as walking through a door and you look on the other side, you don't like what you see. I don't, that decision actually didn't work out the way we thought. We'll just turn around and go back and change, change direction. You can pivot quickly in type two decisions. And what he says is most decisions at a company are type two, but what happens as a company grows, they tend to make 
type two decisions, type one decisions. So you have to go through approval process and, and you know, this group or that group or, you know, multiple layers of approval to get something done. And all that does is slow down growth. So if you want high growth, fast growth, make your decision making process fast. That's actually, you know, brings me to a point of my own. I, I've been in aerospace for, for many years now, and I work right across the street from GE Aviation. So I've got GE Aviation in my much smaller company, not not as big corporate, but also public. However, we've always had this generate high velocity decisions mandate or mindset for all of us. We make decisions really quick. And I have friends that work across the street at GE, and they say that they'll have a fantastic idea. And they say it takes at least a year and a half for it to be implemented. Right. And I think that's one of the problems that, you know, you look at GE Aviation, not talking bad about any company or anything like that, but they have not done well year over year for a very long time. And that's because they don't make fast decisions. And and there's certainly and certainly with aviation, you want to be careful there. So it's not just willy nilly. Right. Of but it's how can we make good decisions and how can we make a, a series of small decisions that we could change any one of those at any time, but in order to help us move forward. There's something else I want to mention before we move on from this point. It's on page 105 of your book, and it was Bezos saying that speed matters in business. Many decisions and actions are reversible and do not need extensive study. And then he talks about how they value calculated risk-taking once, once again, which goes back to the first point we talked about. But it's really important that all of us in our businesses, we make sure that we are being willing to take risks because that's necessary to grow. And I mean, you know, take these risks and actually make these decisions really fast. That's something that's going to help us in the long run to build the business that we're desiring to build. Absolutely. And, and, and I want to emphasize, too, that this risk taking is not just let's throw it against the wall and see what happens. It's very intentional. It's very thoughtful. Uh, and, it, and in fact, at Amazon, um, they have a low tolerance for incompetence. Everybody's supposed to bring their A game every day. So I, I just, you know, sometimes people hear this as, oh, just it doesn't matter. Absolutely, it matters. And you can't not do it. You have to think strategically about it. But risk taking, actually, I think, and I say this toward the end of the book, I, I think the biggest risk businesses face today is actually not taking enough risk. And it's just so counterintuitive. I couldn't agree more. I, I see that happen time and time again. We get complacent, which is actually a perfect segue into the last point I want to bring up, which is to in your scale cycle. And it's believe it's always day one. Uh, you know, this was mentioned in almost every letter or attached every letter, if you will. Can you explain what believe it's always day one means? Yeah. So let me let me talk a moment about where the, where it comes from. So 1997 letter, uh, Bezos introduces this concept of day one. And for him, it really is the idea of um, – you know, we're, we're a startup. And in 1997, uh, they were only a few years old and um, they still had that startup mindset that it's the first day. So as a business gets bigger, maybe older, it often goes to a, um, a mindset that Bezos describes in the 2016 letter as day two. In fact, he's asked, um, Jeff, what does day two look like from uh, he, a, a, an all-hands meeting that he had? And he describes day two as stasis, followed by irrelevance, followed by excruciating painful decline, followed by death. And that is why it's always day one. Uh, and he goes on to describe that, you know, day two could take 
20 or 30 years. I mean, it, it could take a long time. But once a company starts down that day two, you know, we're successful. So now we're going to start protecting what got us there. The, the inevitable result at some point is death. And I mean, you, know, you can point to BlackBerry and Blockbuster and now Sears. And there are a lot of businesses that have been around a very long time, but have been on that slow decline to irrelevance, which in that case is, is bankruptcy. So he ends every letter and, and the later letters uh, are much more specific, but he ends every letter with one. As is my practice, I attach the 1997 letter, which I think is amazing, and, and it really leads to that long-term thinking. That 97 letter was pivotal in the, the foundation and growth of Amazon, and then he says, and it's always day one. It's still day one. It continues to be day one. In fact, the office building where he has his office in Seattle is called the day one building. Well, I didn't I didn't know that. You know, I'm a firm believer in the fact that I believe that you, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think it's the same for our businesses, that we have to continue being willing to, to grow and develop. And that's what that day one mentality is. Day one is, is hustling and, and getting things done. What can you, Practically, what would you say that would mean for somebody starting early on in their business where maybe it really is day one? How do they keep that all the time? Well, I think they're I think they're indicators, and and it, it sort of goes into one of the other principles in the scale area, which is uh, maintain culture. But I think you continually talk about it like he does, and you uh, create in your organization a culture. Let me give you one example. Um, early on. Bezos was on his hands and knees, and he's describing this, packing books to, to be mailed. People have bought. They went to the warehouse, got the books. They're packing, and they're on their hands and knees on the floor. He's with somebody else uh, who's helping, and he says, you know what? We, we need to get knee pads because my it's killing my knees. And the other person next to him says, no, we don't need knee pads. We need packing tables. And he looked at him. And he said, that's brilliant. And he went to Home Depot. And realized that he could buy a solid core door and four four by fours for a lot less money than he could buy a desk. And it became no, known as DoorDesk. And you will see in early pictures and even today that most desks at Amazon are DoorDesk. Now, what does that do? Well, again, it incorporates the idea that, hey, we're still a startup that doesn't have a lot of money. Now, again, I, I, you know, I acknowledge, think of Amazon right now, the idea of them not having a lot of money seems strange, but their mindset is we don't, and we're still a startup. We're still struggling. We still have competition out there. We still have to satisfy our customers, and so every day walking through those front doors of your business – are you thinking that I'm a startup or are you thinking, hey, I've made it, you know, I can coast now. And once you start thinking I can coast now, um, you start that decline into day two. Yeah, on page 190, you said commit to day one culture by acting and thinking like a startup. Steve, these are great points. I love that we're able to go through these four points in your book. And I, I encourage everyone to pick up a copy of the book because the rest of the other 10 are fantastic as well. But we, we talked about encourage successful failure, obsess over customers, generate high velocity decisions and believe it's always day one. What a great conversation. Steve, I have one more question for you. Have you had the opportunity to meet Jeff Bezos yet? 
I have not. It, oh, it really? certainly is on my list. Um, and uh, I do have a list of questions I would like to ask him. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm waiting for him to call you. It's going to happen any of these days. And let me know when it happens so I can share it with my community as well. I would be more than happy to do that. Great. Well, Steve, thank you again for sharing with us today. My pleasure. Thanks, Alex, for having me. It's a great conversation. Here's the deal. I've read many of Jeff Bezos' letter to shareholders, but I've never been able to pull the principles out of them quite like Steve did. This was an eye-opening conversation has helped me expand the way I view my business. I may never be Amazon, and that's okay. I don't need to be, but I can grow my business the way that they have grown theirs. So this has definitely helped me out a lot, and I hope that it's helped you as well by listening to this conversation today. Now I have a question for you. What is your next step to begin growing your business like Amazon? Please visit creatingabrand.com slash 050 to share your answer to my question. To help you actually answer this question, Steve has a resource which I link to in the show notes. It's an assessment that will give you greater insights into where you can grow your business more. Steve, thank you again for being a guest today and helping us all understand a little bit more about how we can grow our business like Amazon. For show notes from today's episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 050. As always, thank you so much for listening. and I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week. 